Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magnum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are plugging our way through succession. We are on episode seven with the most absurd title, I think, of any television show I've ever seen. Episode seven is titled Osherlets. Yes, it is. And again, we are seeing that Connor is apparently a really big Napoleon fan. All right. I am. I'm going to switch it up this week, Spencer. I'm doing the plug for Mangum Reads. Oh, yeah. Get out of my way. Uh, here we go. Did, 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 so the check cleared for the marketing. Good to know. Good. <laughs> it's going to be like somebody reading a hostage note. No. Look, everybody, check out Mangum Reads. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcast Stitcher or at MangumTalks.com. They are doing a series called Pottering Around. We've talked about it before on this podcast, but it has gotten very, very good. I'm a big fan of it. Recently, they um, released an episode on Halloween about the the first year uh, that Harry's at Hog- or Hogwarts, the Halloween celebration. So it was well-timed, um, perfectly done, and the episode was really, really good. Check it out. You can also check out Whiskey on the Weekends it. where we, we get drunk in the morning and we talk. That one's fun, too. <laughs> you know, we're making a lot of podcasts like that now. It's getting interesting. Yeah, we, our podcasts are ruining a lot of days. <laughs> We are choosing to do these, do these styles in the same way that Kindle does therapy, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but that's what we're going with. Speaking of which, this is our succession coverage, which means, Spencer, it's a three-drink minimum podcast. What are you drinking? I, as per usual, I actually, no, I mixed it up a little bit. I have got a rum and coke, uh, a beer, and I intend to run out and get another one if I go through these two before we're done. Nice. Okay. I've got a little um, George Dickel 13-year whiskey. It's nice. You just drink with style. I spend too much money on it. (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, you're providing whiskey for the Whiskey in the Weekend, so I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, that'll be fun. We record that tomorrow. All right, let's jump into Episode 7 of Succession, Auschwitz. We're going to start with our recap, then we will go to our segments, which we've developed through the uh, progression of episodes on Succession. We will do Roy of the episode, we will do Kindle Line of the episode, and then we will do Spencer's Romance Advice. If we, throw, if we want to throw in history to also explain the reference to Austerlitz, I can do that, too. Ooh, yeah, let's do that. That'll be at the end. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do the recap. We start with Logan getting out of a car to go into Raystar. Uh, some guy there is badgering him, and someone eventually throws something at Logan, which we later find out is a balloon full of urine. I have never been angry enough at somebody to do that, to collect the urine necessary to do that. There's a lot of urine. Um <laughs> A lot, lot of people's urine, as they debate later. Uh, Logan handles it like a champ, though. Uh, he goes into the first floor bathroom, cleans up, and gets a new shirt. By the way, Spencer, does he just have on-demand shirts at this place? Because, like, his handler just says, get him a new shirt. The, I mean, with a person of his station, I'm assuming that they've got everything he could possibly imagine, either on-site or someone can get it inside of 15 minutes. Yeah, because he got a new shirt, and then he heads upstairs. I mean, he takes this so professionally, I have to believe this is probably not the first time some similar incident has occurred. Yeah, I think he's dealt with hecklers before. Uh, but I think the this one, we're more meant to believe that this one is uh, as a result of, uh, my cats are fighting, do you hear that? Uh, I hear that. <laughs> this one is a result of him trying to buy up all the local TV markets and basically creating yeah. a media monopoly. Which is putting him in the public eye in a way he may not have really been before. Yeah, I agree. Uh, waiting for him upstairs is Roman, Carl, Jerry, and Stewie. Clearly, Stewie called this meeting. Um, <laughs> Logan has a great line. He says, it's great to have his son's college drinking buddy in the room. <laughs> great line from Stewie here in a retort. I just love the way he asked me for money. 
<laughs> yeah, it's an interesting scene with Stewie, where we actually get to see Stewie splay out some acumen here in a way we haven't before. Previously, he's just come across as, you know, wastrel Kendall's friend, but here, he really gives Logan some straight-up necessary advice. Yeah, he does. Um, and he says the issue is that, quote, Everyone fucking hates you. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent distillation of the problem. Uh, Stewie complains that Logan wants to push through a massive, politically sensitive buy-up, and Stewie is, quote, reading this over my morning cappuccino. So Stewie's a little annoyed he wasn't uh, brought in on this. We've talked about this before, that Logan does have a strategy, but he's a bull in a china shop. He just doesn't, he doesn't get the necessary buy-in. He still operates this as if he's just king. Uh, And apparently the article he's referencing says that the Roys are a horror show that is destroying America. Whew. <laughs> to which Logan, I love, responds, hey, maybe we should buy this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stewie <laughs> references a lawsuit that Kendall has filed against his father. Uh, this is the first of many this-fucking-family moments of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he points out that Logan has fired half his board and his COO is a fucking joke. <laughs> With Roman in the room. He says, whoa, Stewie, bro, that's what people are saying. Who cares if it's true? People say that he's a coked-up dolphin that doesn't know shit from Shinola. The two of you aren't even talking to each other, which I'm getting a vibe of. <laughs> Good line from Stewie. It might be Stewie line of the oh, episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, if Stewie was a Roy, you might get the winner of the episode just because there's no other options. But no, he doesn't qualify. One of the few moments here that Logan gets big-boyed in a meeting. Yeah, he just takes this because it is legitimately strong advice. This is a problem right now. A little bit of a force of nature here, Stewie, is... Uh, Stewie again claims he doesn't care about any of this, but he points out that people are so mad about the local TV deal that they're throwing piss on Logan in the streets. Fair point. Roman, quote, we don't know it was actually piss. Logan, it was piss. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Roman. I was hit by it. I'm aware. Stewie says it's cool that Logan wants to make the deal, but he wants to fix the visuals. Quote, this is a family business, but the family is fucked and it's hurting the stock. Basically, this is Stewie on behalf of the shareholders telling Logan to get his fucking house in order, and we cut to the opening. It also, Stewie on behalf of his own bottom line, he, uh, this kind of interfamily drama, I, I can only imagine what effect the uh, half the board being fired, Kendall apparently filing a fiduciary suit against the company, had on the stock price this week. Yep, and that's why Stewie was there. Mm-hmm. Also, like what they've done with the Stewie character, I know he's sort of like a venture capitalist, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have unlimited money, or at least access to it. Yeah, we, I mean, we've seen before that, I, mean, I wonder if people know where he gets his f- money from, but we know when he was meeting with Kendall's immediate, you know, major media rival, that he's got powerful backers that he can draw in when he needs to. We go to Shib and Nate, who are watching a TV spot at Nate Sky Gill, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> They're not hiding this. More, could they be more blatant that it's Bernie Sanders now? This is their Bernie Sanders stand-in. That's the 1%, the 1%. Who is equating inequality in America to a war? Quote, we need a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, Shib seems to hate it. I don't know. This class warfare shit. Don't you find it a little jejune? Jejune? Mm. Yeah, it means juvenile. <laughs> She's the worst. Have you ever heard that in the wild? Have you ever heard someone say jejun and actually want it to be part of a conversation rather than just stop it? Never, and Nate calls it out. He says, I know what it means. I just thought only assholes said it. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Nate. Yes, that. Ship points out that she's a bad fit, uh, obviously. Uh, Nate asks if she's done with her candidate. She is. What does she mean by that exactly? I mean... I know her candidate was running for Senate and won the election. Was that all her candidate was aspiring to do? Because I thought her candidate did have some presidential aspirations, too. I thought this was like a little bit of like a Kamala Harris thing. 
And not just because she's a black woman, but because Kamala ran for Senate and everybody knew if she wins, she's going to run the, for presidency. Like it was, right. it was very like out in the open. This was her stepping her, Yeah, down. during her Senate campaign. And I would imagine if Beto had won, it would have been the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like we would have, we would have known, okay, he won, he's running. Now Beto ran anyway and RIP, <laughs> but it was the same sort of like so such a large national profile that I think Shib was thinking, okay, we get her in the Senate, then we get her in the presidency. But I agree with you. It wasn't particularly clear. It, 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 I agree with your interpretation. It makes for a very dismissive line from Shiv that she has just decided that her candidate has no potential beyond her current fit. Um, apparently, she may seem to believe that uh, this guy, Gil Evis, was that his name? Gil Evis, right? yeah, Gil Evis. Uh, could be that guy, which is weird because she clearly doesn't seem to agree with him about anything. I don't think in the, in the Roy family tradition, I don't think she really has an ideology. I think she's just like yeah, wants to be successful. Fair. And she sees this as a good horse to bet on, I guess. Yeah. She asked Nate if the atmosphere would be a problem. Nate says no, in so long as they have clarity. Uh, Spencer, do you have the line of what that clarity is? Uh, yeah. Would you like me to say the line? Yeah, if you would. Okay, just to be clear, I am repeating someone else's line rather than saying this to anyone else, and I would like this to be included in case this is ever cut and spliced for later use. (laughs) And to be clear, at absolutely any place at any time, with absolutely no consequences, I would fuck you and will want desperately to fuck you. And that is just a permanent state of affairs. Good job, Spencer. I'm here for you. (laughs) I wrote that down for you. You did? Oh, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) No, not like that, you asshole. Ship seems to really like this move. Um, well, he sell, what, what he sells it on, though, is the next line. The he, next line is how well he understands Shiv. I just want you to know that is my position. You have all the power. You can do with it whatever you want. Ugh, you can do whatever you want with it. Do you, have you ever, like, all right, so you like Succession, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, clear. Yeah, it's, it's really good show. Probably one of the best shows on television. Have you ever watched a show that you liked as much as Succession and cared as little about a romantic storyline as this? I have never watched a show in the situation of succession of where I hated as many of the characters as I actively do right now. Yeah. It is, but particularly this particular relationship, this little romantic fixture they got going back and forth, it, yeah, it, I hate it. Well, fun fact, apparently when they made the, the pilot, HBO almost didn't bring it to series. And their primary reason was there's not a single likable character. Which is fair. Isn't that fair? That is a, that is the thing most shows depend on. It is, but it doesn't matter with this show. And I think that's what the showrunner no. said. I said, yeah, you're right, but doesn't matter. They're interesting. In terms of Nate's line here at the end, isn't that a really good read of what Shiv wants? Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, that is a straight, like, quoting Wife of Bath from Canterbury Tales kind of thing that is just a perfect read on her character. And you can see her respond to it of where... Everything else is like, oh yeah, play the fool. Moment he says that, she's she smirks, she smiles. That affects her right there. I know it's it's the exactly right thing to say to her. This would be like somebody telling me, like, hey uh, Lee, um, just want you to know, uh, we've got unlimited Blanton's tacos <laughs> and a full new season of the Game of Thrones spinoff for your viewing pleasure. Yep. <laughs> I can, I can't, I don't, 
I don't know if I've ever can imagine. I don't. I don't know if I can imagine you that happy. But that would be what it would be. Yeah, that, that, that's in effect what Nate is doing here, and it, it seems to work pretty well. She she clearly likes it. We cut to Logan. He's meeting with Jerry and a few others, and is clearly planning some sort of family reconciliation event. Oh, yeah. They are <laughs> bringing in some guy named Alan, who is a corporate therapist. Spencer, last episode we had Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Now we've got Roy Family Therapy. Are you ready for it? No, I'm really not. Roy this Family is so Therapy. Hard to watch. <laughs> this is so hard to watch. It's so well done. It's great. But God. What a spectacular setup. Because I remember watching this the first time and I thought, wait a second. They're doing a family therapy session. It's fucking incredible. And of course, of course, they're doing a family therapy slash publicity. Because that's the way you should do family therapy. Yeah. Uh, now, Spencer, I am no Roy. Um, but I have been in a corporate machine long enough to know that someone named a corporate therapist who very quickly tells you that they're from Harvard is probably going to fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. What do we learn about this guy? He went to Harvard Business School. Ugh. He's a former CFO. Ugh. And didn't he work for a sultan at some point, too? The they sultan of Brunei. Oh, God. The literal sultan of Brunei. Yeah. So this guy, there's a... Hundred percent chance he's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan asks if they all have to be there. If the traitor has to come too, <laughs> not even referring to him by name. Yeah, cl- yeah, clearly talking about Kendall here. Jerry says it's his choice, but obviously, you know, having the whole family there would probably be best. She points out that if Kendall drops the lawsuit, the acquisition in the local TV markets gets easier. Uh, mm-hmm. Logan says that's fine, but he's not groveling. He ends with, "Let's do the email." <laughs> Such an old guy line. <laughs> Sounds like something Trump would say. Yeah. It's like the email. Do the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he, like Trump's up there and he's telling you like a, a series of events, and he's like, and then we did the email, and then and then the response was, then the, then the response did, like you know, like yeah, not, like not really understanding and, even like just how to phrase these things around technology. And the internets liked it. <laughs> the big beautiful internets. Uh, we cut to Connor, who's at his weird fucking ranch. Oh my god, this is a strange place. It seems like he just bought a town. Like it seems like Connor's in Westworld. This is really that's a good call. This is like the he he bought he is in the middle of Westworld in his own little estate. There's even a church. <laughs> it's true, he's got a church which may set various family members on fire. Uh, he calls Shib and is perplexed about an email about therapy. Uh, he seems to think it might be spam, which is just a great, <laughs> great that's representation that family of right this there. family. <laughs> Uh, we got to Tom and Shiv as Tom is giving his read on Gil, which is, I like him, but if he's elected, he'll kill us all. <laughs> which is a really accurate read from what we get out of this guy. Just like, okay, you're back in the candidate that is really kind of our mortal enemy. Okay, honey, I, I support you. Yeah. Um, Shiv calls Roman uh, and she points out she's not talking to him, but what the fuck? And yeah. <laughs> I like she says that too. <laughs> Great line from Roman. Oh, very much the fuck. Very much the fuck indeed. The big man is breaking down and everyone's invited. Well, not Kendall. Roman clarifies that Kendall is invited. Yeah, and apparently he's going to himself extend that invite. Yeah, and so he shows up at Kendall, one of Kendall's homes, and asks for Kendall. Kendall's housemate claims he's not been there, he hasn't been there for weeks, and Roman starts. Trying to relay a message, and Kendall shows up in sweatpants, doesn't make eye contact, and closes the door. Mm-hmm. Roman Which gives pretty- an update to Logan, and Kendall apparently isn't coming. 
which leads to an interesting line of doesn't he say something along the lines of okay that means that's operation black sheep yeah he says okay plan b operation black sheep yeah obviously a, a reference to connor which i shout out to me i called him a black sheep last week obviously i'd seen this before but i mean i, I think that that's that's a good way that's a good read on connor yes he's the oldest um but he is in no way at the top of the, he's the bottom very bottom of the totem pole Oh, but he's not even on the totem pole. He is exiled from the totem pole. Yeah. He stares at the totem pole from a distance and ponders if he ever could be on it. He does get money, though, enough to buy Westworld. Yeah, we don't really get necessarily how that works, but yeah, he's apparently loaded. Um, it, it, when they say Operation Black Sheep, they basically just say, okay, we're holding it at Connors then? Yeah, I think that's what we're meant to believe. Okay. Kendall's in bed. He gets a call from Rava. Uh, Spencer, what do you think of Rava? You know, it was an interesting character... But I've never found anything to like about her, really. And it's only gotten worse. And, like, it's one of those things where I get why how she, why she feels how she feels about Kendall. I'm sure Kendall has done a massive series of fucked up things in the past. But this is just mean, what plays out in this scene. It is mean. Um, Rava points out that one of her kids' Instagrams had a comment that linked to a negative article about Kendall. Article, apparently, questioned if he's back, back on drugs. Uh, says he was ranting and raving while he was high, running through the street, you know, calling for a vote of no confidence. Oh. That is not what happened. We covered what actually happened. That, he that, was articulate. He was on top of it. And he almost took down Logan Roy. And that's what makes this hurt all the more. Because this is Kendall's moment of great achievement. This is when we got to see legitimately what Kendall is capable of. And apparently it's being subverted in the media and his loved ones are believing it. Oh, that hurts all the worse. Yeah. Kendall claims it's not true. And she says it's just... That's what you used to say when it was true. Again, not fair. It's like this idea of like someone lies to you once, everything they ever say from then on, you assume is a lie. And it's not a sustainable way to continue the relationship she needs to in order to raise their kids. Yeah, because they're always going to have a relationship of sorts because of their kids. And the way she's in some ways using her kids here with respect to relationship with Kendall is, I don't like it. I mean, I we've seen that Iverson has got issues, but it seems more like this is Rava putting her own things on him or using him for her ends. And yeah. also, I don't think she can just do this with respect to his visitation rights. Yeah, so let's let's explain what she's doing. So she's basically saying, well, through the context of what might be going on with you, Iverson doesn't need any sort of disruption to his schedule. Therefore, he's not going to actually visit. The kids aren't going to visit you this weekend like was originally planned. Which, right now, in Kendall's state, with what he's gone through, with what she knows he's gone through, is the worst possible thing she can do to him. He needs support. He needs family. He has no other family right now. And you're taking that away from him. Spencer, I got a comment on Iverson. Uh, I just wanted the record to state that I am not in support of hitting a kid in the face with a can of cranberry sauce. You know... I'm very glad you got that on record. That was a big thing for you to say. That's that kind of moments that just show the strength of your character. But I am in support of telling Iverson to shut the fuck up and go to dad's house. <laughs> Again, Iverson does have issues. He clearly has some anxiety. I think a lot of this is Rafa, though. Yeah, I think she's using his anxiety as a way to like, I don't want to go in the room for Thanksgiving. I don't want my kids to go to Kindle. Like, yeah, absolutely. She's manipulative. Fuck Rava. Don't like her. Um, got a spin zone for you about Rava. Please. She needs to do some drugs. What? What? 
Where are we going with this? Yeah, she's got to chill the fuck out, man. Oh. She's too high strung. Not coke, obviously. She shouldn't do coke. That would be bad. You're recommending um, downers, not uppers. A little, little bit of marijuana here and there. Okay. How about Rava? A little bit of marijuana. Maybe, look, hey, if she had that to look forward to, maybe she'd be happy to have the kids go see Kendall. You know, that's that kind of read that we come to you for, sir. <laughs> yes, I'm prescribing marijuana now. <laughs> I'll be like the Oprah of marijuana. Everybody gets some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Phrase I have never heard before laid out right there. The Oprah of marijuana. <laughs> That's what people come to this podcast for. Mm. Kendall's adamant he's not on drugs. Uh, I'm on Team Kendall here. Uh, I'm like Tom, uh, but he does say I'm not on drugs a little bit too much. I think he says it like four straight times. I'm not on drugs. I'm not on drugs. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, um, and her, her response is, again, mean, but fair when you say it like that. Yeah, it's the paranoid rant that's so convincing. Kendall hangs up and throws his phone against the wall. Yeah. You think he broke his phone there? I don't think he cares enough to check. <laughs> Cut to Tommy Shib. Tom says it's brave for Shib to go to this thing. Yuck. Um, he's supportive. Tom is in a very, very long winded Go ahead. He's yeah, he's very supportive. Yeah. <laughs> Tom is in a very long winded way asking if the rift between Shib and Logan should stop him from talking to Logan. And Shib gives him a non answer. Yeah, he says something along the lines of, You're your own guy. Yeah, I, I won't judge you. It's like, yeah, that's committing. Yeah, it's also like, what a collaborative relationship. <laughs> Yeah, no, separate separate orbits. That's how these two operate, really. Uh, now we're at Auschwitz, which is Connor's house in New Mexico. Funny line here, because Marsha asked if Auschwitz was the name when Connor bought it. Wyla clarifies that the previous name was racially insensitive when he bought it, so he picked a new one. How racially insensitive do we think it really was? I mean, it would have to be like... Like the N-word, right? Like no. How, I mean, how bad does it have to be that Auschwitz is like, that's the better option? I don't know. With Connor, with how weird he is, it could have been something really mild first. Hard to say. Do you want to give us a little bit of what the hell Auschwitz means? Oh, yeah, sure. Auschwitz is, we saw in the previous episode that Connor really seems to identify with Napoleon and like to drop Napoleon references a lot. Uh, this is a continuation of that. Austerlitz is a battle fought in 1805, which was Napoleon's greatest victory, the Battle of the Three Emperors, when he effectively, in one fell swoop, defeated the armies of the Third Coalition and guaranteed his dominion over Europe. Not the high seas, because he'd lost to Trafalgar a couple months earlier, but it is regarded as one of the great military victories of history. And it, again, is showing what mold Connor apparently wants to build himself around. All right, and I'm just going to say this. Um, that is what Auschwitz is. Yeah. It sounds a lot like Auschwitz. It does, and he probably didn't really think of that. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, surface level. Like, If you're going to name your estate something, it shouldn't be, you know, a half a syllable away from Auschwitz. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in a name. Like, if you want to do that in Europe, fine. People are going to know what Auschwitz is. In the United States, they know one of those two things a lot better than the other, and they're going to default to one. Connor seems surprised that Carolina and some other non-family members are there. Uh, clearly, Logan has brought a team, so he can set so he can set up shop and keep working. And see, I, it doesn't seem like Connor was fully prepped about all of this. That, oh no, no! I think he just got an email. <laughs> it's like we're coming. It's like oh, okay, family. They never visit. This is great. And just the whole media Ooh. crew shows up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be real great, Connor. 
don't look forward to family therapy. Uh, we see Shiv and Tom show up. Connor welcomes them to the real America. Connor says, what do you think? And Shiv says it's brown. <laughs> <laughs> Great read, Shiv. Great read. Tom points out there's a chapel on the property. This is Westworld. Um, Shib uh, explains, uh, Shib comments, a chapel, will dad be able to cross the threshold or will he spontaneously combust? <laughs> good line from Shiv. Good line. Very good line. We cut to cocktail hour and Connor has invited the guy who owns the ranch next to him, who is apparently into pesticides. This is a real human moment here from Connor. He clearly is just trying to like have friends. Yeah. And this guy comes over and they're like, they're really chumming it up. Mm-hmm. Lame banter. Uh, Logan's not impressed. No, it is interesting to see that Connor has buddies with people he disagrees with. I wasn't sure that he would, but it seems like he actually has a kind of vague friendship with this neighbor, despite the fact they disagree apparently really a lot on pesticides. Yeah. You know, it just shows what kind of leader Connor would be, you know? <laughs> okay. Fill in that blank. What kind of leader would Connor be? Just great. Obviously. Oh, Working yeah. across the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Building his Napoleonic coalitions. If I can change and you can change. Uh, Marsha is explaining to Tom that Logan thinks Shib know, knew about the coup. Uh, and he will only talk to her if she says sorry. Tom explains that Shib thinks she has nothing to be sorry for. Mm. Tom says she could offer sadness. <laughs> Marsha <laughs> mean mugs the hell out of him. Strong Marsha episode here. How's your girl doing? Uh, she's trying. She is directly representing the one person that she cares about in this whole scenario throughout the whole episode. Um, there's not much she can do with what the tools that she's been provided, but she's doing the good, honest effort. Uh, meanwhile, Shib is all over her phone with Nate texting her many inappropriate things. Oh, yeah. Roman walks in. Potential Roman line of the episode. Mm. Okay. The entertainment has arrived. It's like the first stages of an orgy. <laughs> exciting. Also super awkward. <laughs> Thank you for that read, Roman. Always appreciate you breaking the tension. Yeah, very strong there. Tom comes over and he claims he iced Logan. <laughs> sure you did. Uh-huh. You, and you know Logan didn't even fucking know. Like, did he didn't did Logan even acknowledge what words he said or just go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom asks if he can be excused. Ugh, yikes. And Ship addresses the awkwardness. I'm not the boss of you. Now go mm-hmm. get me a drink. But then has to clarify, I'm just kidding. Because she doesn't know if Tom's going to go get her a drink or not. Because Tom's totally going to get her a drink right now. Just kidding, Spencer. Just kidding. Mm. Uh, Roman asks where the head doctor guy is. Mm-hmm. Ship says she wouldn't know. No one tells me anything. Uh, Passive aggressive here. Another great Ro- Roman line here. Well, I hope he can cure your serious case of being a bitch. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Ship seemed to like it, too. She hit him, but she was laughing. Yeah. Um, they have an interesting little banter here about, apparently, they've been through a, quite a few cycles of therapy before and are presently still in therapy. Yeah, not a shocker there. Ship uh-huh. uh, says she bets Dad is going to try to win at therapy. Oh, what a God. good call on Logan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shiv really called that one accurately because that, well, that is one of two reasons why Logan is here. Roman, well, he hasn't done therapy with me yet. I'm an expert. This is what it looks like when you resolve all your issues. Wow. I am glad I don't have all my issues resolved. <laughs> they both, then, and to your point now, they both comment that they have their respective therapist. And both of them think that Logan really fucked him up. Now, don't need a degree for that one. That was That's a little bit low-hanging fruit with this family. Oh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Logan has certainly played a colossal role in what they are today. I think they also have contributed to it themselves, but that's the subject of another therapy session. 
Connor kicks out his neighbor because Elvis is in the building. Because mm-hmm. uh, the therapist arrives. Roman pulls Connor aside. <laughs> this is my God. favorite part of the episode. God. <laughs> Roman says to Connor, I think I'm going to reveal to him that you sexually abused me as a child. Excuse me? Yeah, you just would not stop. <laughs> you are one sick puppy. You're the one that kept trying to fuck me. Why, why would you say that? Stop saying that. You don't really think that, do you? No, I'm fucking with you. The way you fuck with me as a child. <laughs> What is wrong with you? You're exasperating. <laughs> I've never, Spencer, I've never been more sympathetic to Connor on this show than in this moment. That is a very exasperating conversation to be having. I, I like it too that it really kind of shows how little Roman and Connor interact because Connor has no idea how to process this. This is just so out of life field. You just, need, you, you need to stop. You need to stop. People might actually believe this. It seems like that the amount of time that, um, say that. Uh, Roman and Chip have spent together nowhere compares to the amount of time that Connor and uh, Roman have spent together. So, <laughs> question for you. You're Connor in this situation. Mm-hmm. Some Somebody who you knew when, you're much older then, yeah. you knew when they were young, says they're going to tell everybody to fuck them when they were a kid. What do you do? I walk away. I just you still say a word? <laughs> no. It's like, uh-huh. I just stop. Don't engage. <laughs> Probably a good call. But I particularly don't do what I do. I particularly would not do what he does when Tom walks up. What an idiot. Connor tells Tom Roman is threatening to tell the family that he diddled him when Roman was a child. Tom, fair question. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) What else do you say when you hear that? Yeah, well, I mean, did you? Uh, Connor says, of course not. And Roman grins. Roman's having fun. Yeah. Roman's the only one who's enjoying himself right now. In comes the therapist. Alain Parfait. Mm-hmm. It's like they, it's like the writers' room sat there for a good thirty minutes and said, "Let's come up with a hundred fucking pretentious names." Yeah, let's make and it then pre- let's do an NCAA tournament to get to a winner. Let's make it pretentious, but also sound like really light and ineffectual. What can we do with that? Yeah, they workshop this one well. And this douche comes in and he meets everybody. Clearly, he's tried to memorize their names beforehand, except that he calls Roman Broman. <laughs> Fair read. You know, I can picture calling that man Broman. Roman, by the way, is a WWE superstar. Did not actually know that. Yeah, a little fun fact for you there. Appreciate it. Connor introduces Wyla as his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And Logan kicks things off. And in his opening remarks, he explains that there's going to be a celebration tomorrow with pictures. Mm. Pictures. Alan uh, Alon addresses everyone. He does the typical therapist thing. It takes courage to do this. Oh, shut up. It takes courage. Spencer... So we've established that you work a lot harder than I do, but I will tell you one thing that I have to deal with in my job that I think you would potentially quit over. Mm -hmm. I have to do corporate retreats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My skin crawled when you just said that. And always, inevitably, it's some HR person who has like all of these superfluous certifications and like counseling and blah, 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 nothing that means anything. And they come in and they will say things like exactly like this. I just want to thank everyone for being here and being open. It takes so much courage. Mm-hmm. And then they do this thing at the end. This is, this is a great move. At the end, they go, everyone, I know that what we, I know that what we did here was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. There were times when you were uncomfortable. And that is okay. It is okay to be uncomfortable. I don't know how many times I've fucking heard that same speech, dude. It's uh, awful. And, it, and there was in with some line like, you know, but it's because of these moments that I feel like we've built a team. And that kind of team will just have such value when you leave here today. Like, okay. We built a foundation. It may not seem like it, 
but we've built a foundation. Now, here's the thing. If you've done an all-day corporate retreat and somebody has to tell you it may not feel like we've made progress, <laughs> chances are you didn't make any fucking progress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've had to be, I, I've worked in the corporate world, not, not the same number of years that you have, but yeah, these are the things that they run on, and they are exasperating. God, it sucks. Anyway, I'm just getting PTSD here, but uh, he says he's touched, and Roman says, me too. <laughs> Did you notice that? And then Connor immediately jumps in before Connor, Roman can keep talking. <laughs> no, we're not going there anymore. I'm to- I'm talking now. Connor jumps in. Uh, he says the family is broken. Quote, a missed phone call today. A couple dozen kids lose their job in China. Butterfly wings, but bigger. Huge wings, like a pterodactyl or the Smithsonian. Let's fix our wings. Roman, barely comprehensible. <laughs> My Roman line of the episode, because I... Perfect summary of that sentence. <laughs> Barely comprehensible. God, Connor is so weird. Oh, uh, yes, I feel like is. you could do like a series of t-shirts with this show, right? You could have Connor's face and it just says, let's fix our wings. <laughs> oh, people would buy that. People would sell that in therapy sessions. Fuck, I'd buy it. Uh, Wyla is giving him a hard, what in the actual fuck are you talking about face here? I like that Wyla routinely sells Connor out. Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time. We're going to talk about Wyla this episode because, man, this is a w- weird situation that she is in and weird decisions she makes with it. You mean Greg's future girlfriend? Uh, you know, that might be healthier for her than what this currently is. Probably not as profitable. I'm on Team Greg, Wyla. You're on I Team really Greg everything. Absolutely. No, no Greg this episode, by the way. I, which surprises me that you seem to enjoy it as much as you did. Yeah, it just shows how good this show is. Cut to the airport. Kendall is here! Kendall does show up. Why? Why is he here? What is his goal? Well, he, uh, he says patricide or fratricide. Yeah, I, I get that. What is he actually here to do? Uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, if he knows. Do some do some therapy and do some meth, and he's all out of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he planned on the meth, but the meth seems to be the only thing he actually aimed for. Cut the ship. Tom is in the shower. Ship gets a call. Nate explains that he and Gil are in a hotel in Santa Fe, ready to meet with her. So they apparently came to Santa Fe to see her. Um, she says she's busy at this thing and hangs up abruptly when Tom comes in out of the shower. And Tom weirdly announces, the pressure on the faucet is moderately intense, so go easy. This is a man that has her back. I have a theory here. What is your theory, sir? Well, you know, look, obviously the initial read on this is Tom is a fucking weirdo. We've gotten evidence for that. But I posit to you, Shib is a redhead and has a red complexion. Now, a lot of redheads with a red complexion will get really bright red if you touch them on their skin too hard. Mm -hmm. I think he's looking out for I think he's making sure she doesn't look too rosy when she comes out uh, for the therapy. You know, this is also just a helpful thing to say. If you're in the shower first and the pressure's a little bit high, you know, the next person would want to know that. This is Tom being a helpful person. He just always, no matter what he does, comes across as weird. Spencer, is that some advice you would give somebody? Like, My, hey, hey, the shower is moderately intense. Go easy. You can picture me in the towel walking out and saying that, yes. <laughs> I can imagine Levi looking at you and just saying, what in the fuck are you talking about? You it, it's one of those things that we're, you know, like, we're, you know, the next kind of thrones in the hotel room and I come out and say that. I know fully what shit I'm going to get for it, but I still would feel compelled to say it. Yep, yep, you're, you're being good. But anyway, my, my thing is she's a redhead. I think he's trying to... He has her back. It's fair, yes. Uh, Tom offers to go to the therapy sessions with her. I think Tom really wants to go to the therapy sessions only because he wants further evidence that he's part of the family. 
that is Tom's And she looks at him like he's a well-meaning child. Yeah, very much that. Uh, Very accurate read on Tom, though, that he is continually trying to ingratiate himself into this family, to be incorporated as a member. He sees the value that that is, and we're seeing it play out with respect to therapy, too. Logan, we cut to uh, everybody's out and gathered, and Logan says, the therapy, this way for the therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy bell, come on, everyone to therapy. Let's, this way to the therapy. Let's do the email. Such mm-hmm. a guy. As they walk, Roman is doing the funeral march. Dur, dur, yeah, dur, dur, dur. the dirge yeah. is playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was. I think I was just doing the wedding march, wasn't I? You were doing the wedding <laughs> march. I was not going to comment too much. <laughs> What's the funeral march? Do that one. Ah, uh, man, you put me on the spot. Now I can't do it. Yeah. Anyway, he does a funeral march. Uh, cut to Tom, Marsha, and Wyla as everybody's walking away. Tom says it's like waving your kids off to school. That's not it. No. I'm going to think of this later. You did the wedding one too. Damn it, all the hell. Get in my head. Fuck, man. All right. I'm going to... When you go on some long-winded rants, I'm going to try to figure it out. Please. Marsha is very concerned about the kids ganging up on him. She says Logan is still frail. And Tom looks perplexed by this comment. He's like, if this is frail... What the fuck is Logan normally? Yeah. But, but it's again, she, her loyalty is to one person in respect to this situation. And regardless of what he does, regardless of how it play out, she is going to have his back. Uh, the kids walk into the church that Connor has on his property. Um, uh, Logan does not catch fire. No, he, he's able to cross the threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this fucking therapist says he'd like to begin with a prayer. Oh, Spencer, God. are you ready to cringe? Uh, cringing even you mentioning it cringing three two one they fuck you up your mom and dad they do not mean to but they do they fill you up with thoughts they had and add some extra just for you all right so this is like this is like if a, a like a non-talented freud tried to write a dr seuss novel yeah yeah why what would compel him to think that that would start the conversation well what Ugh. What crowd does that resonate with? Because certainly not these people. Yeah, and I think he immediately notices that it doesn't land because then he just follows it up very quickly with, what, but, 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 but I'd like to know how you want to start this. Yeah, because that one didn't start well. Spencer, how would you deal with this guy? Let's say your family was not the loving, caring family that you have and was more uh, broken and you were doing family therapy and someone started things off this way. What does Spencer do? I lean back, I pull out my phone, and I cease participating from here on out. Because nothing about this is going to be helpful. Yeah, you pull a Roman, just kind of completely yeah. emotionally disconnect. <laughs> so, I'm here, I'm trying. Oh, we're starting that way, and I'm out. Yeah, he did this crank therapist, then ask uh, why they're there. And Logan says, come on, does no one want to take a pop at the champ? So uh, Logan clearly does not understand therapy. He just thinks this is <laughs> this is like his kids are just going to complain and he has to fend off sort of the offenses. Which which is interesting, because if he thinks that, you think he'd be more ready for it. But he isn't. As we splay out, he is not ready for them to say anything to him. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a tough situation. It's a weird atmosphere. Connor lightens the mood, jumps in and says, Can I just say... I never touched Roman inappropriately. If he says I did, I didn't. No one else has got to clear that up. <laughs> I know it's so great. I love it. And it, my favorite part about it is how earnest Connor is when he says it, mm-hmm. and how hilarious it is to Roman that he got yeah. him to say that. <laughs> this is everything Roman wanted. <laughs> 
Yeah, Roman. Shout out to Roman. He's he's disconnected from this, but he's having fun. Uh, Logan says he'll start. Now, Logan has a script. I think he has cue cards he's reading off of. Mm-hmm. Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children. I know I've made mistakes. I've always tried to do the best by them because they mean everything to me. I mean, this is literally hands behind your back, gun to your head. You're talking into the camera. Hostage situation. Okay. Obviously, this is scripted. Obviously, this has been workshopped to all hell is what a good line for him to say would be. Do you think he actually believes it? Like, you know, if you got him to be honest with himself, do you think he thinks this is true? I think he finds it very... I think he finds this sort of conversation and his having to have a position on it um, as very um, immaterial. Yeah, I think he feels it's beneath him to even need to say that. That the fact that he's even being called to make that kind of statement is just... It's not part of what he needs to do. Um, but I, I think in a weird way, he legitimately believes he's a good dad. and That he's actually done everything he's done for his children. Because, of course he would. He's... I don't think he's... I don't think he's consciously lying about that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The therapist prompts Logan and he starts saying... Well, actually, he... he uh, he has the kids to react and they give a non-answer. Mm-hmm. The therapist points out that Logan wields a lot of power in the room. Didn't no have to go to Harvard shit. to pick up on that one. Uh, therapist prompts Logan and he starts the same line. Shiv cuts him off. Logan says, that's how I feel. I can make this shit up if you want. And Shiv says, sounds like you already were already are. Now, Spencer, I'd like you to talk for a little while on... All right, so they want to do therapy here. Mm-hmm. A, a couple questions for you. One, is this actual therapy? And two, in this format, is there any possible chance uh, that this will work? No, because the only way therapy is going to work... And while you do that, I'm going to go throw my cat out of the room. And look up a funeral march. Um, No, this is not therapy that could ever functionally work because they're not coming here for anything resembling the same purpose. That The fact that Logan's here for media opportunity, which they realize over the course of this conversation, means that there's no honest chance at reflection... They're not really coming here with either concrete goals either, that he just kind of sent them an email saying we're going to therapy. They don't have an objective. The therapist has made no effort to frame what that objective might be. They're not even having an opportunity to even honestly vent because they're all, well, particularly Logan, have their own ulterior motives behind it. So there's no hope for any possibility, in part because none of them know what that could even be. And none of them really, well, particularly the one that could control it, won it. So, yeah, this is, the only value of this is as a media op, and they picked the perfect therapist for that purpose. Yeah, and one thing I'll say is that this format's not going to work. There is a format that will work, which we get later in the episode. (laughs) What, drunk conversation in the kitchen? I, I will get there, but I honestly think they, they actually get into therapy. Yeah, I really it, believe that. In large part because it's just a much more honest conversation than they can have right now in front of this other person. Yep. Uh, Ship says she's having a hard time getting into it because she doesn't know why she's there. Maybe for the photo op? Oh, uh, yeah. And Logan drops in. There's an interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about the interview. No, you didn't. This is the first yeah. time that's come up. <laughs> Uh, Shib says, this is not okay. I have a publicist for this stuff. Uh, second instance of this fucking family of the episode. Yeah. Ship starts asking around the room and Connor and Roman 
bitch made betas say picture sounds good i've got no issue with it therapist says logan have you thought about the possibility that your children are actually scared of you here we go roy family words fuck off fuck off (laughs) after what they've done to me fuck off all right well that was a that was a productive scene. Yeah, and I think we've now just had clearly laid out to everybody what Logan's view of his participation in this therapy is. Cut to Marsha who's talking to Wyla with Tom listening. Really damn yeah. weird conversation. So, all right, we'll go, we'll go through it, but I want you to rate your your girlfriend Marsha's performance here. Okay. Low. I don't know what she was going for. Marsha asks if Wyla will always do what she does for money. Wyla seems very unwilling to publicly admit that she's a prostitute, which is kind of weird because everyone already knows it. So I don't know if this is like a personal pride thing or if it's just awkward, but like we all know it. And Marsha just barrels ahead. No, she just doesn't respond to Wyla's sort of unwillingness to admit that or talking about the theater or whatever. Marsha just says, well, I knew a prostitute back in Paris. She's very intelligent. Marsha Marcia asks if Wyla wants children. Marsha says, don't wait. That's all I will say. Tom says she could freeze. Tom says he wants them to him and Shiv to freeze embryos, not eggs, because he wants a little bit of me in there, too. Oh, God, Tom, so weird. Oh, God. Uh, Wyla kind of snaps and says, oh, so much advice. Wow. I want out of this conversation, please. Yeah, what do you think of this exchange? Uh, it's strange. I mean... It- this seems to be Marsha legitimately trying to ex- extend the branch of you. Connor likes you. You're probably going to end up being part of this family. You, if you're going to do that, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You need mm-hmm. to go in. If I mean, it, it seems to be almost like that, Wyla does not view herself as a prostitute. She views herself as an actress, and this is just kind of like a side gig that she does. Maybe that's part of the reason that she's so constantly denying that this is her main source of main or only source of revenue. Um, but I almost think that at least at the start of this conversation, Marsha is legitimately trying to have a moment while to say that if you want to be part of this family, this is how it happens. This is what you need to do. You need to recognize that. And while it's just not willing to engage in that at all, she's not willing to have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Marsha then continues. Uh, she says her prostitute friend in Paris, uh, my friend who was your way, uh, was actually murdered. Marcia, it had nothing to do with her being a prostitute. And this is where Marcia to... loses the threat. It was due to a restaurant that went poof. <laughs> Marcia, you were doing well. You were trying to engage. What? You didn't need to go to that point. It's not on it things. Such a non sequitur. Like, what do you do? And Mar- what is what? And Tom just kind of looks around perplexed, seen over. So, how, all right, Spencer. Uh, we all know that you're uh, deeply in love with Marcia. Rate her performance in the conversation A to F. Uh... It was starting out a B. She wasn't getting her to really engage, but she was making that kind of effort to make that olive branch. The way that a lot of people haven't been willing to do with Wyland. Pretty much just Greg, really, so far. Um, Starting out well. You know, that non-sequitur, though, ruined any potential from it. Because that's all they're going to remember. That's the only thing they're going to get out of that conversation. So, I'm giving it maybe a D. Wow, a D for your girlfriend. That's tough. I'll tell you, I've never had a scene in this show that I wish Greg was in more. Because <laughs> I think yeah, Greg would have gone with this. He would have been like, oh, wow, the restaurant. Whoa, exploded. How did that happen? Like, he'd keep it going. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm, but, but, but Greg's going to say, oh, it was in France? Were they serving those bird things? Was it an environmental group? Oh, oh, update on the bird thing. All right, so last episode, uh, we had a scene where Greg and Tom ate a whole fried songbird. Yeah. We were a little unsure about this. Here is, here's the issue with it, Spencer, and why there's an ethical concern. Please. Because I did have multiple people point out to me like, okay, well, we eat other animals. Why is this a problem? So they can't shoot the songbird because it's too small. It'll destroy the meat. So they have to capture it live. Now, typically these songbirds are don't have a lot of meat on them. So what they do is they put it in a shoebox where it's dark all the time. That way, that way it tricks the songbird into thinking it's night and it eats at night so that it'll gorge itself. Then what they do in order to kill it is they drown it in a certain liqueur. So they, they basically make the songbird die of acute alcohol poisoning because they say that that adds flavor to it when you eat it whole. So that is why I'm an episode late, but that is why there are ethical concerns about eating a whole fried songbird. You know, the French make some good food and they have some interesting dishes, but they go about some fucked up ways to do it. It's like, you could have foie gras without abusing the crap out of the goose, but the French have to do it a particular way. The songbird seems to fall in the same category. I know. And, and then the French make the joke of like, well, he died in the best way possible. He died drunk. And it's like, no, shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the that's the, the follow up on the deep fried songbird. Anyway, back to this episode. We got to Kendall. He's stopping in at a local bar. This is going to go well. Mm. Uh, he tries to order a non-alcoholic beer. The lady like laughs in his face. You're in New Mexico. It. No. <laughs> Um, so he settles on a double Smirnoff. <laughs> no, 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 no. He starts with sparkling water. Yeah, yeah. That but he settles a on a second. double Smirnoff. <laughs> and he, he houses it. He downs that thing. He does. He chugs this stuff, as you would say on Whiskey on the Weekends. Thank you. The bartender looks at the name on the credit card he gives, asks if he's a visiting family. Apparently, she's heard of Connor. Uh-huh. She tells a story about a time that Connor came in the bar with a dog with cancer that he couldn't kill. Couldn't let the vet kill, but couldn't watch die. So he's going around this bar telling everybody he'll pay them to give the dog a good life, you know, while it, it dies. Then the bartender says someone named Skunkhead Tanner took three grand and shot the dog in the parking lot. <laughs> Capitalism, baby. Do you think he waited for Connor to leave before he did it? Maybe just because he probably figured Connor was a mark. Yeah. And he might have other opportunities for this, so he wanted to save a little face. That would be my guess. That would be my guess. Uh, but Great name, too. Skunkhead Tanner. Yeah, that's a name right there. And he lives up to that name as we see him over the course of this episode. <laughs> Kendall is sort of like, shit, that's something. Turns around and says, hey, I heard you killed my brother's dog. <laughs> and a friendship was born. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cut back to the therapy. As Logan would call it, therapist is asking them to put down their phones. Logan fires back that he's trying to close the TV station deal. Therapist says, well, you can do it later. Logan says, he wants to know what to do. He'll dance. Um, the guy says, I guess what I want you to tell us is how you're feeling. How I'm feeling? I feel I need to check my emails. Okay. We're, we're, we're making progress right now. Oh, yeah. This is just, I mean, full stop. Nothing is happening. They bicker a bit and finally Ship says they need to talk about the fact that Kindle is not there. That And that is a legitimate conversation that needs to happen in this therapy. Absolutely. And she says, and that's because there are reports about him running around taking drugs. And I, for one, don't know where those came from. Logan says, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. We're not covering that today. It's not in the remit. 
So he basically has an agenda for therapy. Yes, he did. Um, she says, I don't think there's a remit, Dad. Logan claims he had nothing to do with those stories. And my bullshit detector determined that was a lie. Mm-hmm. Therapist asks if Shiv believes him. She says no. Connor and Roman say they don't know until Connor finally breaks. And he says he doesn't believe Logan. And finally, the fucking snake that Roman is, the last one in the room, says he doesn't believe Logan. This goes back to like what happened with the, the vote of no confidence. Mm-hmm. I love Roman. He's hilarious. But my God, he has no spine. Yeah, I was kind of impressed with a certain degree of spine we got to see out of Connor of the course this episode. It surprised the dad. We'll see it play out later. But this is one of the first moments we see that, no, he's willing to confront his dad about this because he's legitimately not happy with it either, as much as he likes to be the UN in every situation. So when all the kids turn and say they don't believe him, that he didn't plant the stories about Kendall, Logan finally snaps. He's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm finished. I'll apologize as much as you fucking like, but I can't get everything. That's it. Therapist okay. points out that if he, he he's asked... If Logan participated in the family therapy in an earnest way, he couldn't in good conscience say that Logan has. Great thing to hit Logan with. The one little win this therapist has because he recognizes that Logan really wants publicity. He can give him that, but he's going to need Logan to do a little bit more. Logan fires back with, fine, I apologize. Maybe I'm hungry. (laughs) Which is funny. And Spencer, you may not know this, but that is the most popular gif from the show. I'm hungry? Yeah, fine. I apologize. Maybe I'm hungry. (laughs) I did not know that. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I covered a lot there. What, what do you want to talk about? Well, one of the questions I have to ask is, how much do you think the therapist was told exactly by Logan why he's there and what he needed out of him? So not at all from Logan. Well, I mean, from Logan's handlers. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, he was probably told, here's exactly how it needs to go. I mean, Logan clearly walked in with the script. There's no reason to believe he wouldn't give the therapist one. Doesn't seem like the therapist is holding to that script. Mm-hmm. Although it seems like what he's doing is particularly ineffective. Which is interesting, because he's very ineffective. He doesn't come across as either effective therapist or effective person. And he's being brought here for the purpose of a marketing event. That said, that's a power, as like you've noted, that's a power play line from him right now. Is that, hey, Logan, I know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. But I got ethical duties, and I will have to admit that if you didn't participate in good faith, that you didn't. As you said, that's the only thing to get Ken, to get Logan to participate, and it's a hell of a line for the therapist to bring out right now. Yeah, and it's a it, the very rare moment. This is like the suck, like like the sort of albino bear or something. Like you never see an apology from Logan. Mm-hmm. I don't. The words "I'm sorry" does not come out of his mouth very often at all, if ever. I'm not sure we've seen it so far in the series. Yeah, and I still don't think he means it. Obviously. Oh it's, fuck no. Fuck off. But <laughs> the fact he's even willing to say it is usually a showing of weakness that he wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah. Cut to Tom asking Shib how it went. Shib gives a non-answer and says she's going to Santa Fe. She comes to the kitchen and asks Connor to borrow his Tesla. Connor says they're getting somewhere. Shib, you're sweet and I love you, but you're delusional. <laughs> uh, Roman looks at the therapist and says, what? Can we do that? Sidebar, Spencer. Roman definition of a cuck? You know, literally, apparently, because that's apparently what he and I would, I, what was, his, was his and his girlfriend's relationship. But yeah, emotionally too, from what we're seeing. Yeah, he needs permission for everything. Uh, the therapist says Shiv's can make her own decisions, and Shiv gives him the good proper fuck you look for that. Um, then this quack of a therapist says they should all get out their own, get out of their own bodies and go for a swim. <sighs> Uh, Shib explains that Logan doesn't swim and I'm going to crown it right now, Spencer. 
in the worst written line of the entire series. She says, he doesn't even trust water. It's too wishy-washy. Yeah, I didn't like that line at all. Fucking terrible. God. It's, it, and it stands out in such a well-written show. That line blew. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those, it's, it's one of those just groaners. It's like, you'd almost, if you're going to include that line, you'd want other characters to make fun of her for saying it. It's like to acknowledge inside the script that that was just terrible. But And it was right there for you. Couldn't Roman have just been like, wishy-washy, what the fuck? <laughs> but nope. Everybody nope. breezes over it. Shib gets the keys to the Tesla and takes off. What do you think is Shib's move to leave here? I mean, obviously, from your explanation of what you would have done, you probably would have left too. Uh, Shib's mode, um, reason for leaving is going to be Shib's reason for joining the campaign here in a second, is that she's... I think in, or she actually vaguely believed her dad may actually want to have therapy. And now realizing what this really is, she wants to hurt him. And Ooh. that seems to be motivating her decisions from here on out. Ooh, I like that theory a lot. Yeah, I also think that she just doesn't suffer fools well. <laughs> she doesn't. Not just fools. Anyone who's not on her side and on... It, and following her to task, she does not suffer well. Well, she'll at least engage people who can engage in a little tete-a-tete with her. Mm-hmm. But this therapist, she wraps up in about... As soon as that opening prayer is over, not worth her time. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think she legitimately likes Connor? Yes. I think every- I think that the, I think the line that she says where... Um, what does she say? You're sweet and I love you, but you're delusional. I think that was 100% truth. That was a... I really liked that line because it seemed like one of the legitimately heartfelt, one of the rare legitimately heartfelt lines we get out of Shiv. Because yeah, that seemed really coming from a good place from her. That you're an idiot, but I kind of like you because of that. That you, there's not much hidden about you. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, is it a good moment for her because she only likes him in part because he's non-threatening? Yeah. <laughs> she likes everybody. She likes everybody that either can engage with her in witty banner or is utterly non-threatening. Those are the two categories she enjoys. Yeah, buckle up. NBA metaphor coming. But this is like it's like don't you can't call LeBron James a good teammate because he gets along with Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like yeah, it's easy to get along with that guy. You just tell him what the fuck to do. Like that's the same thing with Shib. She just tells like she has complete power over Connor. Connor is is completely neutered in this family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, I knew fifty percent of those people. <laughs> and that's the only 50% you should know. Uh, Connor approaches Lila about sitting out the family photo. She seems to not be remotely disappointed about this, which mm. is not a shocker. Uh, Connor goes into some fit and finally lands on, I don't know how to say this, except that love is a strange and peculiar affliction. It's like a virus. Very romantic. So would you please stay here a while and maybe you'll catch it? Spencer, is this time for our segment of Spencer's romantic advice of the episode? This line is heartrending. Uh, cause it, it's a degree of awareness I didn't think we'd necessarily get out of Connor. Um, that he's fully aware of the fact that their, fe- that their, their relationship is one-sided. That he does get that she does not feel at all the same way for him and that she's here for the sake of money. But he seems to believe that time will fix that. That is not something you should ever base a relationship on, Connor. Um... Yeah, this is tragic. This can only end poorly. And this is also the moment where we see Wyla fully tra- transition from a professional woman to a whore. That she's still staying here for that situation. Whoa. Oh, boy. I oh know. That's it, it, a biting line, but 
this is a guy that you're legitimately going to hurt now. He is dumb. He's an idiot. He's giving you the opportunity to essentially abuse his trust for as long as you want. You can never offer him what he wants. You know that. He should know that, but he's an idiot and hopes for, hopes for greater things. What you're doing right now is wrong. And I, do we think she gets that or that she cares? I, you know, <clears throat> I don't think she cares. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and force feed the segment here because you're not doing it. Please. Uh, Spencer's romantic advice of the episode, as said by Lee, is if you spent hundreds of hours around someone and they're not in love with you yet, they're not going to be. Thank you for condensing it. That's yeah. They're uh, just not going to be. Well, like she's she has had she has sampled the menu and she does not like the restaurant. It's also don't ever view the movie Pretty Woman as a primer to how a relationship works. You guys started in a way that no that a healthy relationship isn't going to form from that. You started as a business transaction. Sidebar, has there been a more socially destructive movie than Pretty Woman? You know, it's up there. It is up God. there. Man, did that plant a lot of dumb ideas in men's head. <laughs> I can reform her. Uh, no, she's a professional woman. This is what she's doing. Um, it's this is a hard scene for me. This because this is Connor. I, I sympathize with Connor. I like I like Shiv's line because Connor is an idiot, but he seems like a nice guy, uh, and he seems like he you know he wants things out of this world, and his relationship with Wyla is not going to be healthy. Yeah, I mean, pretty woman. I'm still on that. Please go on. <laughs> It just kind of convinced men that, like, if somebody comes in and you pay them to, like, clean your carpet or paint your house, that if they just do it enough times, they're going to fall in love with you. Yeah, and that's not how that should ever work. Not at all. And that's exactly what Connor has fallen into. So that was a good reference by you. Shout out, Spencer. Mm. Seems romantic, this whole thing, although it's actually pretty sad. And the saddest part about it, I think, to me, is that he immediately knows that's not going to land with Wyla, so he has to follow it up with the business details. And he has to do it before she can even talk. Right. Because he knows she's probably going to say no, but he says, well, hold on, hold on. Uh, you, you, you get an allowance, and I'll help you with the theater. And, and you know, he starts all of these little these little nuggets, uh, little carrots on a stick to, to get her to do it. Mm-hmm. She says yes. He says he loves her, and she sputters out that she loves him, too. Now, that is cruel. He says he ends it with "See how hard was that?" Pretty hard for all of us, I would say. Uh, pretty hard for both of them. Pretty hard for the audience. There are no, there are very few relationships on this show that make me feel better having watched them play out. Yeah, Connor needs love. Connor, need- I'm, I'm rooting for Connor to find love, and it surely shit ain't Wyla. Wyla needs to go date Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they. They might work together a lot better than this is. But yeah, I very much agree that Connor needs a loving partner. He needs somebody to share his life with. And the fact that Wyla is apparently the best option that he can think of just speaks volumes. Cut to Kendall. Uh, Not not a good situation for Kendall here. Kendall is in some house um, with Tanner and some other guys. Uh, The guy who owns this place is clearly into wolves. Um, I know it's supposed to be like a funny thing about this this meth head who's into wolves. No judgment here for me. I like apes. <laughs> Do I, you know, I haven't been to your new place yet. Are your walls just covered with pictures of great apes? Do you have a great ape tattoo on your chest that I'm not aware of? <laughs> I, do. I do. Next time you come to my house, I'm going to show you my great ape tattoo and do like a pant hoot. 
Please don't. Let's never have that moment together. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely doing it now. They're passing around meth. Um, Spencer, what do you know about meth? You know, I was actually thinking about that in the scene. Really nothing. I know about it from television shows that have depicted, you know, the various effects that it has on people and various crime shows related to it. But I know very little actually about the drug, other than it is an amphetamine. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's an upper, obviously. Um, so I'll tell you what he's doing with this pipe, because I think it's not particularly clear. Uh, meth comes to you in like a rock format. It's a, it's a solid. Mm-hmm. He puts it in the chamber, and he um, uh, hits the heat, the bottom of the glass chamber, and it melts it. And as it's melting, it exudes some smoke, and that's what he's smoking in. So that's that's why they have this big, weird, bulbous thing. And I'm, I'm not like a meth head. I just know that from Breaking Bad. Um, hmm. <laughs> but that's that's why they have the thing that they're doing. Kendall says, I've never done meth, and I'm technically sober. So this is an experiment. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things that you want to, you know, run through the scientific method, Kendall. Yikes. And then, and then they start some stoner talk. Um, and one of the cl- guys claims that if it wasn't for wolves... We wouldn't know how to speak because we had to tell dogs what to do. Spencer, what do you think of this theory? Do you know? Uh, Snopes.com. Does it check out? It, it suggests that if we just want to focus on anatomically modern humans and assume that language started with them, which we know isn't true, let's just you know say that human history started back about you know 150, whatever, every thousand years. Uh, that suggests that we were entirely nonverbal for like 120,000 years before we you know started raising dogs. Uh, so, no, I don't buy that. Thank you. Doesn't check out for you? No, no, no. I think there are practical uses for communication beyond simply interacting with dogs. I also am of the view that, you know, there are all kinds of varieties of animal that are very much verbal and communicating with each other. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like they Oops. necessarily have to raise pets for that to happen. Yeah, second NBA reference of the episode. This is a theory I would expect from Kyrie Irving. <laughs> This person where, I actually know. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, where he would be like, you know what? I like dogs, but not for the reason you think. <laughs> uh, Kendall says they should get more and some weed and oxys. Kendall, experiment successful. I am interested in becoming a meth head. <laughs> oh, this is going well. Yeah. Because uh, of the ranch and the therapist is getting in the pool. Uh, great moment here by two um, low-key cruel people. Roman and Wyla, because they push him to dive. I believe they actually said at one point, fuck you, jumping, uh, jump, you fucking pussy. Yeah. Uh, if you were walking up to a pool and you see someone standing in the pool with the water only up to a, you know, below her shoulders, do you just dump it, jump in head first, no matter what they say? So that's a no. Okay. Good talk. And I think uh, I think this gets called out later by Logan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, got to the ra- yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, both these people to, are really mean to, to, to do that right now. They may not have assumed that he was that much of an idiot, but they sh- probably should have. And I love how they th- these are not two characters. I mean, they apparently have some history because Wyla was introduced to Connor through Roman, hmm. but they don't seem to be particularly warm to each other. But they were right on the same page here. Oh, let's fuck with this guy. Yeah, go ahead and jump, jump you fucking pussy, jump head first. And he does. And the results are? Well, he apparently smacked his face on the pool floor and lost all of his front teeth. He's missing like three or four, right? Oh, basically his entire front top teeth. Um, So no more therapy. That's that's done. Uh, At least with this schmuck. 
um, great Roman line here as they're discussing his injury as a head injury. And Connor says, it's his teeth. Roman, well, his teeth are in his head. It's kind of a central feature. <laughs> Thank you, Roman. They decide they have to send him to the hospital. Connor's, uh, Connor offers uh, to take him there uh, in order to verify that he's not litigious. Mm. Uh, Logan says they should send him off with one of their people. Comments about how they were about to take advice from a clown who dives headfirst into the shallow end of a pool. And now everyone's fucking off. Logan calling it, just like you. Like, come on, it was clearly the shallow end. People were standing up in it. Why the fuck did you dive? Marsha gets us back on track, though, that, okay, this is a photo op. One of the main people you need to appear like you're getting along with is still here. Let's make this work. Yep, Roman can fulfill all the photo responsibilities. Uh, then we cut to um, uh, Shib meeting Gil. He leads by calling her, quote, the acceptable face of the worst family in America. Interesting she start. By, she responds by calling him Stalin in a plaid shirt. Spencer, how does anyone think this is going to end well? They're being honest with each other. They are speaking... I mean, this is honestly... I expect that Gil has talked with Nate and knows how he can best interact with her. And honestly, it's a weird start for any normal human people. But for Shiv, kind of works with her. This is a guy I can speak honestly with and just speak off of. Because they both say these things to each other, and then they sit down and they do have a happy meeting. They do, but during said meeting, I think there's some untruths being batted around oh, here. I don't know. I think this is a terrible fit. I think it was always going to end bad. And I think that the motivations for each of them to enter into this relationship um, is poor. I think for Gil, it's he's trying to undermine the Roy family. And I think for Shib, she's just trying to piss off her father. Absolutely. Now, if they're both honest with each other about that, which... I don't not I agree. Really. I don't think they are. At least they don't get to that point now. That could be yeah. fine. They could both accomplish their objectives very successfully. They're kind of working together for that purpose. But they're not. And if they don't have that kind of honest conversation, this can only end badly. Yeah. Anyway, we go on. Um, Gil says that he's he's doing well, but he had some depression after last year's events. What could What do you think those that? events are, Spencer? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps a former Secretary of State smacked him down in a primary? You know, just throwing out ideas. Okay. Uh, well, we will get that answer, but um, uh, shout out to you for pumping up Hillary Clinton. Thank you for that. Made me, made, makes my morning. You know, I'm here uh, for you, man. I'm here for you. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. Yeah, I haven't had somebody do that in two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> it has been that long now, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Gil asks what she thinks, and she mentions that he's too radical. Gil responds with, great line here, by the way. Real T-bomb situation, a good politician figures out what people need and sells it back to them as something that they want. I like that. Mm-hmm. It is a I don't even I'm I don't even have like a bit of cynicism about that. I think that's actually what a good politician does. That's kind of what we you know, that's what that's what the nature of their position is. Yeah. Guilt does confirm that he's offering her a job, but there's one minor detail. Uh, he's gonna go for Logan's throat. Hearings, legislatively, etc. Gil asks, do you want this enough to go to war with your family? Now, what I find interesting here is Gil says he's super, like, he's he's altruistic, right? He's out here for the people he's doing. But this seems like a very opportunistic time to ask that question of her. Mm. And I think he knows, like, with the family in disarray, needing to do this public therapy session, the best chance he has 
at getting Shib to agree to betray her father is right now. And that's why he goes to Santa Fe to follow her. He's a politician, a successful politician, apparently. And this is a good read on his part. He's appearing like he's being fully open and honest with her. That he's, you know, I'm laying out my hand. I want to warn you because I want you to trust me what this is. While at the same time having his own motives in terms of the timing. It's well played. Yeah, I cut to Logan and Roman in their photo shoot. Uh, Logan tells Roman he wants him to, quote, get into the government issues of the launch detail. And what's so interesting is that Roman, like, understands that this is, like, actually, like, a thing that needs to happen. And he's like, are, are, are you serious? Or is just for the photo suit? <laughs> and Logan is apparently serious. He says, you're COO. You need to handle this. Question about what he exactly means here. Because he says, I want you to call Japan... I want you to get into the government issues. Are these two separate things, or is Japan somehow involved in this? So one of the things that show, the show does, that some people like and some don't, is they mention details about things in conversation that the characters know about that yeah. you don't, and they don't give you a lot of background into it. And you're, gonna, you're just going to have to either wait and figure it out later, mm -hmm. or just be comfortable with the fact that you're never going to figure it out. It's, it's much more authentic that way. I buy it. It can be frustrating to watch it at times. Cut to Shib and Nate in a car. Oh, boy. Uh, here we are. Shib says Gil is good. He's good. Um, she basically says she's going to take the job. Nate seems pleased. They engage in a little flirting. Nate offers to take her back to his Airbnb. <laughs> memory foam mattress. Let's make some memories. Uh, Spencer, do you want to explain what happens next? Uh, well, he starts to turn on the car. Uh, she asks him to turn it off. She proceeds to unbuckle her pants, grab his hand, and use him for a certain degree of stimulus. That's what I will say about that scene. If you'd like to provide greater detail, it's your fucking turn. Nope. Cut back to the meth house. <laughs> you were so done with them. You were never... Actually, it's not even fair to say you were done. You were never wanting them. I find their scenes to be just taxing. Like, it's just, it's what I have to get through to get to the good stuff. Okay. I don't give a shit about Nate. I don't give a shit about Shiv. I don't give a shit about her political aspirations. I don't give a shit about Gil. Well, it, assuming a line hadn't already been crossed by the two of them, just from the sheer amount of uh, flirting that they engage in, it's been now fully crossed. This She, she has now cheated in a car with him and is then leaving to go back to her family without any care in the world. Yes. And she, this is yeah. the start of their now working relationship, too. Yeah, exactly. Now, cut back to things I care about. At the meth house, they uh, these guys are playing a game. <laughs> Say that again. Say that again for me, please. Cut back to things I care about. Back at the meth house. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Saved. Isolate that. Uh, they're playing a game of how rich is Kindle. Um, Spencer, I'm going to point this out here. These seem like reasonable methods. Yeah, these are nice guys. They, 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 they barely know him, but they're bonding right now. I mean, if you're going to take meth, these are the guys you want to take meth with, right? Yeah, these are actually little funny little comments that they're offering about their new friend. Yeah, shout out to these guys. Um, Kendall calls Roman and says he has important information. <laughs> Roman immediately asks if he's high. And small moment, but did you notice that Logan turns and looks at Roman when he says that? I think oh, yeah. at that point, Logan knows he's talking to Kendall. Yeah. Kendall says, no, 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 I'm good. Well, we've been taking drugs, but but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very clear right now. 
Which that's the thing when people are high. It's so funny when you're like, are, are you fucked up right now? And they tell you no. They tell you no because they want you to listen to what they're saying. But then they kind of follow up. Well, well yeah, I mean, I'm doing a little math. But <laughs> everything's good. What I'm about to say is great. There, there is a tendency to overshare. Yeah. Um, Roman handles this scene really, really well, I think. He says, okay, um, can you just drop me a pin to make sure I'm okay? Spencer, do you know what drop a pin means? Uh, on Google Maps, right? There you go. No, uh, Apple, but yeah. Same idea. Yeah, basically you just say, here's my location based on the GPS that's in my phone. And he says, look, I'm, I'm not going to come get you. I just want to know you're okay. So he kind of says, okay, wait, wait. And he does it. He drops the pin. And immediately Roman says, okay, I'm coming to get you. And he turns to his dad and says what he's going to do. And he says, Logan says, you're not going to make the call? Roman says, well, I, I can, but right now I need to go get Kendall. He's here and he's not okay. Logan waits a beat and then says, okay, go, go, go. Now, what, why, what do we interpret out of Logan's decision making there? Roman's just being a good brother. That's just his. That, that's the only thought process he's thinking right now. I mean, he is. I, I do think, and as weird as Roman is, I do think that when Kendall is fucked up and he's in danger with drugs, I do think Roman like hits a gear of good brother, and, and he does that here. And we see that he really does get into a groove quickly of where you almost you can imagine he's probably had this conversation with Kendall before. Oh that sure. The moment that he starts seeing the Kendall's high, okay, I need to know where he is. I need to go get him. That's just what needs to happen now. And that's immediately what the path he sets on. But he turns to his dad to tell him this. And from the dad's perspective, he's already running news articles about Kendall that are just false in terms of his drug use. Now he knows he's fucked up, and now he's coming to me, where I got all the journalists and the news and the, and the camera guys. I do think that's the stuff that's going through his head. I do, though, think there's a 10% part of him going, oh, shit. You know, he is fucked up. Like, I do think he does love Kendall in his weird way. And when he realizes that Kendall is is fucked up and not doing well, yeah, I mean, he, he's thinking of all of the implications of the marketing, of mm -hmm. the photo shoot, of the interview, et cetera. The, the, the proving of all of these false um, articles that he's pushed through Raystar Warco's um, media outlets, I do think he's a little concerned. And oh, I yeah. think that's why you get a pretty earnest, after he processes it, you get a pretty earnest, go, 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 go get him. Yep, and it's not like he's sending an ambulance. He's not like he's sending a media crew to be there. He's still just sending Roman to go do it. Right. Yep. But it's Logan. There's always ulterior motives. Yep. Yep. Play in the game. Roman arrives at the meth house. Roman knocks on the door. They don't like that a stranger is at the door. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, Spencer. If you're knocking on a random door, you better hope it's not meth heads. They do not like random knocks on the door. No, I love it that Kendall apparently did not tell them that Roman was coming. <laughs> No, Kendall's all kinds of fucked up here. He says, no, that's my brother. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, Roman walks in. Oh, wow. Hi. Uh, Going to offer me a cup of tea? Oh, look what you've done with the wolves. Excellent taste. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then Kendall introduces them to everyone. I love that Kendall knows all of their names. These guys have had a real bonding experience. Oh, yeah. Here. Chang, Tanner, uh, Mac. These are, these are buddies for life now. <laughs> Roman suggests that they get out of there. Kendall mentions he probably shouldn't be talking to Roman, given his ongoing legal situation, which appears to be suing him. So suing Roman, which I, at this point I only thought he was suing Logan, but apparently he's suing Roman as well for a failure to fulfill his fiduciary responsibility as a Raystar board member and also for breaching his employment contract. I'm guessing he's one of several named defendants that are in this suit. I would think. Um, but then he thought, who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, they 
uh, it's kind of implied in this conversation that maybe Romanetta doesn't have any experience with meth himself, but he has some funny lines about it. Like, I hear that shit makes you crash like an Airbus full of eggs. It's a really funny way of putting that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out in front of my notes here because before that he says, uh, what is this, this fucking crank? Now, I'm a little surprised that Roman was able to quickly identify what it was and didn't think it was like crack or any myriad of other things that you smoke out of a glass jar. Uh, Kindle or glass pipe. Kindle suggests Roman try it. Roman, yeah, some other time. I hear that shit makes you crash like an Airbus full of eggs, which is your line. It's hilarious. Uh, but it's fucking hilarious. Uh, Tanner, not if you stay high. Kindle, Tanner makes good points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Roman pushes again to leave and Kindle agrees. I think that when Kindle called Roman, he knew what was going to happen in some either conscious or subconscious way. He knew he was that was his way out of there. Yeah. Um, Roman tells Kendall that Logan didn't really participate in therapy, uh, in therapy. <clears throat> and one of the guys yells uh, as they walk out, Hey, Kendall, tell Bill Gates my computer's fucked up from all the fucking updates, man. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> uh, Apple's worse. Seriously. Man, this guy's fucking dropping knowledge. Mm. I like these I like these methods. <laughs> Another one. Isolated. Isolate. Keep that one. <laughs> In the car, Roman wants to know if Kendall is okay. Um, Roman asks if he should call a doctor or Rava. I'm going to tell you this. Don't call Rava. Mm. Or if he should hit a kid so they can steal his kidneys. Good brother right there. (laughs) Very funny. Uh, Roman hops on the call about the launch in Japan, and Kendall rolls the window down. Uh, Anything you want to talk about here? Uh, No, other than the play out of time that we'll see in the next scene. I think that the call occurs without issue, and the next scene is after the Presumably after the, long after the call was now ended, but we'll see. Cut the ship. She seems pleased. Mm. Back to Roman and Kendall. Roman is on his <laughs> I'm done with call. that. <laughs> yeah, Roman is on his call, and Kendall starts blasting. So here's my question. I thought he was at the tail end of his call, because he does say, I'm sorry, at some point into the phone. He doesn't have the earpiece in, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, he's clearly not in the heart of the call. Yeah. But Kendall hears a song on the radio he really likes, The Lion the lion sleeps tonight. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you, Spencer. If you are going to hum The Lion Sleeps Tonight, how would you do it? Uh, not like him. Can I say it that way? You're right. Everyone would go, oh, we can go up, oh, we can go up, oh, we But this maniac does the e. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... The song itself is annoying. The fact yes. he's blasting it while high is annoying. But then he also picks... The, the part of the, the most song annoying that is part. the most annoying to listen to. Yeah. Part that everyone <laughs> skips so they can go to the Wimowick part. What sort of maniac is he? Roman barks, will you knock it off? What are you fucking for? I'm trying to drive the car and not a Wimowick in my fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we are getting to what I'm going to describe as the actual therapy that occurs in this episode. Fair summary. Fair summary. Uh... Shib gets back to the compound. Logan, Tom, and Marsha are talking. Logan says she's late. Shib asks how the therapy is going. Connor says the therapist died. <laughs> Thank you, Connor. Metaphorically speaking, he, mm. he does clarify. Um, and Tom clarifies that he had he jumped in the pool and smashed his teeth out. Quote, Freud would have had a field day. <laughs> Good line from Tom. Yeah. Uh, Logan asks where, where she's been. She says a job interview. And Marsha asks if it was with Logan's enemies. Hmm. Logan cryptically tells Shib as she tries to leave the room that he keeps an eye on things. 
which we already kind of saw with Martian knowing everything about what Shib was doing. Mm-hmm. Shib says, quote, what is that supposed to mean? I had a meeting. You do whatever the hell you like on everything forever. <laughs> Tom, the voice of reason here, says, let's just talk about this in the morning. This is not going to go well. Yeah. Actually, Tom, shut up. They're doing therapy. And good God, do they do it. Marsha keeps going in on Shib. She complains that Logan had to be told about the meeting by someone else. And then... Family therapy. (laughs) Family therapy. The family seems to immediately know what's up. Kendall is high and he's being crazy. Now, not unpopular opinion here. Uh, My friend Levi is going to say this is a very typical Terry take. I'm going to tell you right now, high Kendall, my favorite Kendall. You know, there's an improvement. There are aspects of his character that are improved as a result of this. He's incredible. The, the family therapy thing is so funny. He walks in. Hey, 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 what's up, motherfuckers? Sorry, I'm late. What are we arguing about? <laughs> Logan immediately says, what's wrong with him? As if he doesn't know. Yeah. Kendall says, ah, I'm off my nuts. <laughs> Shib mutters, oh my God. Kendall tells Logan he got what he wanted. Yep. I'm fucked up. Just like all the papers said. <sighs> I love everyone's just on the same page that, yes, obviously, Logan is pushing these stories about Kindle, and for obvious reasons. Why does he even feel the need to lie about it? Uh, Roman tells Logan, um, everything is good with the launch. And Kindle, what I like about this scene is that Logan is trying to continue these conversations as if Kindle is not in the room. Mm-hmm. Kindle's but not Kindle's just commenting on them. He's just throwing out banter. It's a really great scene mm-hmm. because he says he, he starts with, yeah, he doesn't care. Roman, he doesn't care. Hey, dad, give him a high five. That's what he's waiting for. Come on. Logan, as you said, ignoring Kendall the best as he can, cuts back into the conversation with Shiv. Still focused on Shiv. She says she's on the side of the senator who supports him, uh, whose supporters hit him with a bag of piss. Mm-hmm. Shiv says it's her work. Logan roars, work. It's a rebellion. Sabotage. Shib, yeah, of course. Because it's all about you. She says she may agree with some of Gil's positions. Bullshit. Yeah, total fucking lie here. Like, 100%. Uh, And she, like, soft pedals it. She's like, "Uh, about the purchases. So I guess she's not, like everybody else, not a big fan of the purchasing of the local TV markets Mm. uh, or channels. And also his whole philosophy. Logan says that Gil's out to undermine his whole business strategy is that Kendall Roy's music? You don't have a business strategy, Dad. Your whole business model is based on seducing presidents. You're a really high-class hooker, looks at Wyla. No offense. <laughs> I love that he's still together enough to you know, have that consideration for her while she's here. And Wyla drops the Roy house words. Say it with me in three, two, one. Fuck off. Fuck off. off. <laughs> uh, Wyla says it's fine. My aunt's an attic. She gets up to go to bed. And hilariously, Tom says goodnight in a really earnest way. And she says goodnight back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Connor then announces that he felt a bit used during the events of the day. Logan comments that he just made a few calls. Can't that wait? Connor says, yeah. Can I wait for you to make a few calls? Sure. I ought to practice with that. Pretty cutting line there. Yeah, it is. Marsha's had enough. Your girlfriend, she jumps in and says Logan has been di- busy dealing with his two traitors. That's Kendall and Shib. Shib disagreeing with that on not... Shib says, disagreeing with that is not treason. Roman, trying to make one of his biggest enemies president. It's kind of a fuck you. That may be my line of the episode because, God, that's a good call by Roman right there. Yeah, so I covered a lot there. Um, I actually think they're getting somewhere in this conversation. They are. They're being honest. Um, What did you think? 
Well, Logan is being honest for the first time now in the therapy. He's directly confronting Shiv on what he feels about what she's done, what he feels about what her role is to him. She's expressing her anger about how she feels that he views his children and manipulates them for his own purposes and doesn't view them as independent actors. Um, the thing that Shiv's not opening up about, though, is that Logan is 100% fucking right about why she's doing this. Yeah, which he he, he does bring up later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kendall tells Logan he likes all the stories he planted about him. Logan says, yeah, you forced my hand. Shiv says, there it is. And in that moment, Logan admits what he's been denying the entire trip, that he planted all of the, the stories about Kendall doing drugs. Logan says Kendall is lucky that's all he did. Quote, what you kids do not understand, it's all part of the game. Kendall, strong counterpunch here. Oh, it's all part of the game. Come on, everybody. It's a rootin' tootin' super fucking fun game for all the family. Step right up. <laughs> <sighs> As yeah, you said, this is, yeah, go ahead. Kendall is just the ultimate MC of this conversation. He is just aiding everybody in terms of making this happen. I'm telling you, I love high Kendall. Um, shit. Uh, Logan ignores Kendall and keeps talking to Shib. This is a tough moment here. He says, quote, you went into politics to prove you're your own man. Fine. But that's not principle. You're scared to compete. You're marrying a man fathoms beneath you because you don't want to risk being betrayed. You're a fucking coward. Whoa! When Kendall chooses to analyze you, when Kendall chooses to, oh, no, sorry, when Logan chooses to analyze you, when Logan chooses to speak his mind as to what he thinks about you, it is brutal and it is accurate. Yeah, and this is, and I'm, this is not a, I mean, it's a spoiler, but like you could have guessed it. This is the only time I've ever seen Shib reduced to tears. Oh yeah. Um, this is not part of her character. This is an abnormal thing, but she does tear up and she says, "Wow, you were just beyond." Yeah. And Shib leaves. Tom looks around, doesn't really know what to do, and walks out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good call by Tom. That's about all you can do there. And let, let's, let, just to address it, the next scene between the two of them, like, like you said, we've never seen Shiv that rattled. We've nope. never seen her just not have a rejoinder, not have a, yeah, fuck you, and just dismiss whatever somebody just said about her. But she's literally just sitting on the bed, sad, holding Tom's hand. That, that really I'm hit I'm telling her. you, that, it's therapy. Yeah. Because Logan is being very mean there, <clears throat> but there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's forcing it's forcing Shib to think about what well, what are my motivations? Why am I with Tom? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Why am I settling for this guy? Why am I getting involved in politics? Why am I working for this guy? It this rattled her. This is an introspection that he forced upon her that she doesn't want. Yep, yep. Now we have <clears throat> my scene of the episode. Mm. Kendall, still talking to Logan, <clears throat> says, I was born lucky. I realize that. But he says, and you're so fucking jealous, aren't you? You're so fucking jealous of what you've given your own kids, you can't handle it. You can't work it out. Logan comments, if I had spoken to my uncle like that. Kendall, uh, what? What? What would uncle, evil Uncle Noah do? Calling your daughter a coward until she cries? Big man. Logan takes off toward Kendall. Marsha does everything she can to stop him. Finally, Logan gets right in Kendall's face and says, you're a fucking nobody. Fucking nobody. Logan grabs an apple and leaves. Mm -hmm. Again, hi, Kendall, my favorite Kendall. He's calling it. Yeah. Logan is a self-made man. And he 
gave his kids billions just for being born mm -hmm. and he resents them for it in part and i think that's probably a dynamic that you see in a lot of families yeah. with self-made patriarchs trying to come to grips with the fact that their kids don't have to work for their money we've talked about that before with logan that he seems to really appreciate the people that work the people that try people that earn for themselves that actually put in the effort necessary to make that happen. And he seems to despise the level of ingrained entitlement that's in his children. So this is absolutely a great read by Kendall as to what the undercurrent of his father's resentment for his children. It's somewhat undercut by this whole Uncle Noah thing, though. Have we yep. heard Uncle Noah referenced on the show before? I didn't think we had. No, and this goes back to the comment I gave you about the launch in Japan. Mm-hmm. The show does this not only with like business conversations or whatever, it does it with history. They reference history in casual conversations that we don't know about. Yeah. That they may never tell us. Like it's, it's, we don't know. All we know is that there was an Uncle Noah that apparently didn't take a lot of shit. This is why this, this show can be hard to watch at times when Greg is not there because we don't have the ignorant everyman to have things explained to him. These are just people that would not explain that because they've been talking about this for years. So it's, ah, look at you coming over to Team Greg. In entirely a different way than you are. So much room on the bandwagon. Jump on. I, I'm coming into him for his use as a plot device. You're coming in because you actually enjoy his character. Uh, cut to Shib and, Shib and Tom. This is the scene you referenced. They're just sitting on the bed. Shib is rattled, holding Tom's hand. Tom has no idea how to comfort her in this position, and I wouldn't either because... She's only rattled because her dad called out her reasons for even wanting to be with this guy. So this guy, there's nothing he can say. No, the best thing he's doing is what, best thing he can do is what he's doing is just being there. Is just yep. provide support however she ends up needing it. But your presence is enough right now. I would like to point out that just hours earlier she was cheating on him. Yeah, but he's there for. Ugh. Next morning, Kendall is taking a hike. Um, <laughs> I was writing my notes. And me and you have talked before about like, and we did, I think we did this on Whiskey and Weekends about moments of like pure bliss of times where you're just super happy. And you have said that hiking, being out in nature, seeing like large landscapes um, are times that you feel really connected and happy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like watching this. I'm like, oh man, this is like a, like a Spencer thing. Like, like Spencer would love to do this. Like, you, you know, you go up, you hike, you look out over, a, you know, a valley or whatever. Uh, and then... And then Kendall sits down and starts doing bumps of coke. So it all fell to shit. <laughs> Man, this is a great moment for Spencer. No, 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 no. Oh, it went away. Uh, well, he's landing the plane, too, because he did a bunch of meth. So he, he can't just go stone sober in the morning. Uh, everybody's leaving. Connor is apologizing. Really sad moment where he's like, well, you had a little fun, didn't you? Ugh. I feel bad for Connor, like I mean, legitimately. I mean, you can, you, you really can think that how excited Connor was that his family was coming to his place. I can imagine that they have never, well, I, it's pretty much straightly well, indicated they've never been there. He's pro probably had it for years and they've never visited him. And finally, the family's coming. He's so excited. Therapy may actually work. Their dad broached it. And this happens. He's legitimately unhappy. We, we actually cut a scene earlier where... Connor directly confronts their dad in that kitchen conversation too, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he says, "What did he say?" Like I feel, what did he say? You, you tell me. You ah, better find it real quick. But it's ba basically he he notes that what their dad's doing now is something that he's gotten very used to throughout the history of their of their family. Well, I think I think I covered that, wasn't it? Like the the thing with the calls. Yeah, the calls. That was the calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, "I got a lot of history," you know 
basically waiting for you to make calls. Yeah. Which is just calling out that like all of us are just kind of always on hold for you and your schedule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Connor, Connor getting a lot of character development in this uh, episode. Not all of it happy or positive for him, but you know, we're getting, we're getting agreed on Connor this episode. Yeah. He really wanted to be a good host, but it all went to shit. Uh, Connor then says to Wyla, it's funny. I wanted them all here, but I feel relieved they are starting to go. It'll be nicer when it's just us. Mm. And Wyla asks, how far is it to a Starbucks? Connor says he has pods, and Wyla looks legitimately pissed. Yeah. She just wanted to get away from him. Does Connor truly not get it? Does no, he, is he's he, not. Is he so... I don't, I don't even know if it's delusional. It's almost, it seems like it's more desperate that i Yeah, it's a good call. That he's just willing to blind himself to this. It That's just sad. Because again... Connor's weird, but he seems like a legitimately nice guy, and this, I I fear for him, because this is, nothing about this can end well. Yeah, it's the ignorance of desperation, is yeah. what we've got here. That's a good way of putting that, sir. Bravo. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm really smart. Oh, we cut to Logan. <laughs> He's swimming! Holy shit! Logan's swimming! We just established earlier that he scared of water. And Marsha is pushing him to do it. Your girlfriend, shout out to her, pushing Logan to do things he's not comfortable with and also to exercise. Mm-hmm. Great moment for Logan. He gets out of the pool and we see massive scars on Logan's back. This is, uh, I guess this is Uncle Noah. That, that was my interpretation, but that was shocking for me. I mean, there's one thing about saying that you had a rough childhood. There's another thing to say that you have a back of a, you know, mid, mid-19th century sl- uh, slave. That... I, it caught me off guard to see that that, that kind of physical injury is sticking it, it, um, is part of his history. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But that's the end of the episode, Spencer. We have gotten through Roy family therapy. The therapist did not accomplish it, but um, the prodigal son high on meth certainly did. You know, if they just brought in Kendall from the start, if he'd just waltzed in and just been the therapist for this session, think what they could have accomplished. Family therapy. <laughs> yeah, so funny. To me. No, if, 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 if therapist had not started with a poem, but instead started with that, would have been a lot more successful. <laughs> I think you would have got, you would have got Romans by it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hit our two segments. We have Roy of the episode. This is a tough one. This is a real tough one. I don't think any of the Roy's in this episode in a better position than they started. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you, but I think that you have to award this to Kendall. Because Kendall makes friends. Fair. He's being very social. Yeah. Um, he also is able to be high on, I guess, meth, coke, oxys, and alcohol, and still son his father and spur everyone into an actual conversation about what they're thinking about, which, while everybody ends angry, at least now things are more out in the open. And if there ever is going to be like any attempt at like, okay, let's address the root issues here. They have some level of a basis to start. Like, I mean, not that Logan that... told Logan told Shib what he really thinks of her. Yeah. So that's out in the open now. Mm-hmm. And his children have told him what they think, what they feel about him. And Kendall has told his dad what he feels is the problem in their relationship. All of that would be productive if they actually ever intended to do follow up, which they don't. Also, yeah, so I'm awarding Roy of the episode to Kendall. Um, I understand this might be a little weird. Yeah, the it is. The winner of the episode is high on meth, three quarters of it. But I do think he, he accomplishes more than anybody else. Okay. When he sobers up, is he going to be happy about any of it? Who says he's going to sober up? Didn't you hear the conversation in the meth house? Yeah, he wants to be a meth head now. 
Let's not celebrate this. I'm not celebrating that, but I do think he does. When he shows up, he accomplishes things. And he actually makes a hell of a lot of sense for a guy who's fucked up. I understand your point of view. And I'd say that in a twisted way, he ends the episode happier than anybody else does. Um, But the descending back into addiction, the further ruining of whatever relationship he had with Rava and his children... The utter lack of hope of any reconciliation between him and him and uh, his dad and the rest of his family. The probability that the dad's now going to use his very obvious drug use uh, against him in terms of his lawsuit. None of this seems like it's going to spell out well in the future, even if it worked out well for him now. Well, a couple points here. One is we we both agreed that there was no obvious winner of Roy of the episode. Oh, yeah, I know. I, we're, we're, so I just based it on who got the most wins in this episode. So, now, you're talking about future losses. Yeah. And Kendall probably is going to take a lot of L's for his behavior. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, I think he, he got more wins than anybody else. And, and I understand your point of view. I'm going to favor the mitigation of damages here, and I'm going to go with Roman, in the sense that he was the one that successfully remained out of the fray and took no hit in a way that the rest of the characters did. He did not have that kind of abuse from dad kind of moment. He's had enough in the past, sure. He did not get directly involved in drug use. He did not, you know, join a political campaign for the sole purpose of fucking over their dad. He did not, dad, have to go through all that shit. He remained pretty much separate from the fray, and so I'll call him the winner just by process of not losing. Okay. And we'll talk about in future episodes, because um, you, you're, you're talking about like with, with Kindle, it's like, okay, well, the events of this episode are going to affect him in later episodes. Which is purely my prediction. Yes, I know. Sure. Well, Roman got assigned to a launch in Japan. Yes. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Had a successful call, apparently. Um, okay, and now we have best Roman line of the episode. Again, you know, fucking up our segments this episode because not a lot of great Roman lines, um, but I think I do have a favorite one. I, I, I've got three that I will mention as being good enough, but I've only got one that I would put my favorite. Um, we kind of okay, fo- go ahead. Focused on the, I loved his little summary of Connor's, I'll call it speech, as barely comprehensible. That just tickled me. I love his description of, you know, crashing off meth is like an Airbus full of eggs. That's just hilarious. And his summary at the end with Shiv of, oh, but trying to make one of his biggest enemies president is kind of a fuck you, was again a great call out on Shiv at that moment. I've got two more. Um, Okay, the entertainment is around. The first stages of an orgy. I'm excited, but also super awkward. Second one I have to throw out there is, well, I hope he can cure your serious case of being a bitch. (laughs) great line too yeah but um best roman line of the episode i think this is fairly obvious is barely comprehensible yeah great line such a great line because it was so awkward to even listen to yeah it it, yeah it was uh it was great commentary also a pretty good commentary about the overall episode Mm. barely comprehensible (laughs) i gotta say this is just a statement for the show this was the hardest episode for me to watch because, God, there were so many hard, awkward moments in this episode. Or just legitimately frustrating character moments, too. Yeah, I agree. It was uh, good. Any more Do- overall thoughts of the episode before we wrap up? Uh, this feels like it's, it's, a, it's a necessary follow-up from the last episode. It clearly seems to set up what our arc for the rest of the season, or at least next few episodes, is going to be. That everything is in the aftermath of the board meeting, and now we're seeing where the other characters go from it. It was a good episode. It was well played. It revealed a lot of interesting things about certain of the characters and what directions they're headed in. 
and it just makes me excited for where we're going to go for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I've told you this offline. I'll say it now while we're recording is that what made me fall in love with the show is episodes six, seven and eight of this series or this season. Uh, before then, it was kind of a show that I would just watch whenever it wasn't a point in the television for me. But at the end of episode eight, it became I'm going to watch this as soon as I can watch it every week. And it has stayed that way with me through season two, which is where we're at now. Um, I will tell you, Spencer, I have teased it on many different podcasts across different podcast channels. Next week, we have got episode eight. It's called Prague and it is Tom's bachelor party. Oh, Jesus. We're here. Oh, we're getting there, buddy. He's holding Holy his bachelor party shit. in Prague. Uh, you're going to have to find out. Oh, God. You haven't watched it yet. You haven't watched it yet. Have I have you? not watched it yet. I have no idea what to expect. Holy shit. All right. Well, we're going to do that next episode. Um, There's a lot of fun. Loved, loved the episode. Love going through succession with you, Spencer. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No. Just looking forward to the next episode, man. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you.